man was on his way home from work one afternoon, and as he was driving by uh, several different places of business, as he was making his way home from work, he passed by a traffic camera. Uh, and as he passed by the traffic camera at that uh, place on the road, uh, the camera flashed and he saw it, took a picture, and he was a little bit surprised because he was not driving over the speed limit. He was actually driving the speed limit. And so he, he turned around and decided he'd go back again and just to make sure that uh, everything was working okay. And so he turned around and he drove back by uh, the same light where the same traffic camera was. And this time, the second time, he drove a little slower than he did the first time, clearly under the speed limit. And once again, the light flashed. The camera took a picture of him. At this point in time, he was frustrated, and so uh, he decided he'd do it one more time. And the third time he drove by, uh, this time he was traveling at a snail's pace, 10 miles an hour. As he drove by that traffic camera, again, it flashed. He was frustrated, but he thought to himself, you know what, that must be broken. And he continued to think this until three weeks later, where he received three traffic fines in the mail all four not wearing a seatbelt. <laughs> Things aren't always as they appear. Life is full of challenges, difficulties, trials, twists, and turns that crash into our lives on a daily basis. Some are expected, many are unexpected. God wants us to trust in Him in these times. God wants us to trust in him at all times, which is what Solomon was talking to us about in Proverbs chapter 3, when Solomon said, trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not on your own understanding, think about God in all your ways, and he will guide you on right paths. He'll make your paths straight. It's important for us to be reminded that God doesn't want us to just go through life. God wants us to grow through life. He wants us to grow in our faith and trust in him. He wants us to grow as witnesses for him day by day, which happens as we turn to him and trust in him on a daily basis. As we do, we begin to realize that the challenges, difficulties, trials, twists, and turns in life are the very things that God actually uses in his work in us of growing us in our faith in him, of helping to make us more effective witnesses for him. Things aren't always as they appear. Things aren't always as they sound. Some statements sound like good advice. Some statements sound like they are in the Bible, but the truth of the matter is they're not in the Word. These statements can trip us up in our faith in Jesus if we believe them, which is exactly what our enemy Satan wants to happen to us. You see, Satan is the father of lies. He's a master of deception and confusion. Satan loves to help us live in apathy towards God's word. He loves to help us live in ignorance of God's word. He loves to help us live in disobedience to God's word. And so as followers of Jesus Christ, we understand it is so vitally important for us to know and obey God's word. Because the more we know and obey God's word, the better we will be at recognizing and rejecting what is not found in God's word. So this morning, I'm starting a new series titled, Not in the Word. We are going to identify, I want to just take a few weeks to identify some statements that are commonly believed to be 
in the Word that actually lead us away from God's Word. The reason this is important is because our beliefs determine our behavior. We think, we feel, we act. If our thinking is wrong, then our feelings and actions will certainly be wrong. So if you have your Bibles with you, and I I know you do, turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, it's located in the New Testament right in front of 2 Corinthians. And so 1 Corinthians chapter 10 is where we'll start. We'll move a little bit uh, from this base point uh, this morning as we make our way through our time together. And we're going to identify a statement this morning. The first statement I want us to identify this morning uh, is simply this. God will not give me more than I can handle. God will not give me more than I can handle. This statement sounds like it's found in God's Word. This statement sounds like it's good wisdom and good advice to follow. Some Christ followers believe this statement is found in God's Word. Well-meaning Christ followers will encourage others to persevere and endure in their faith in Jesus by saying things such as, you can do it, don't worry, God will not give you more than you can handle. The problem with this statement is it's not in the Word. This statement encourages us to depend on ourselves. This statement encourages us to continue living for Jesus in our power, to persevere in our ability and strength, to rely on our understanding and wisdom in dealing with our circumstances and with other people, to hang in there, to keep on trying, don't give up, because after all, God will not give you more than you can handle. In other words, we are able to handle whatever comes our way. We are able to handle whoever comes our way. And as Christ followers, we know this statement is not true. Jesus affirmed this to us in John chapter 15 when Jesus said, I'm the vine, you're the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, you can bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. And nothing in the Greek means nothing. In English, nothing means nothing. We can do nothing of spiritual significance for God apart from our faith in God, apart from the power of God at work in and through our lives. Paul clarified this statement for us in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 13, if you look to verse 13, Paul wrote, no temptation has overtaken you except what is common to humanity. God is faithful and he will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you're able. But with the temptation, he will provide a way of escape so that you will be able to bear it. So we see Paul gave us clarification on this point. He shared some truths with us about temptation in this passage, and I want to identify three of these truths real quickly uh, because God wants us to renew our understanding of these truths, obviously, uh, this morning, this week, for what is ahead that God has prepared for us. The first point is that temptation is common. Paul said, no temptation has overtaken you except what is common 
to humanity. As Christ followers, we all face temptation. We know this. We understand this reality. Jesus was tempted as we are in every way, yet he never sinned. So we know temptation uh, is common to us. We understand this. We know that being tempted is not a sin. It's how we respond to the temptation that determines whether it becomes a sin in in our life or not. So we know temptation is common. Secondly, we know temptation is coming. He said, but with the temptation, but with the temptation, what was Paul doing? He's warning us that temptations are coming our way today and every day. We understand and realize this to be true in our relationship with God through faith in Christ Jesus. Satan is not going to idly sit by and allow us to grow in our faith and trust in Jesus. Satan's not going to idly sit by and allow us to grow into effective witnesses for Christ Jesus. Satan's not going to sit idly by and uh, watch us as we continue walking with Jesus and worshiping Jesus without providing opposition. As Christ followers, we know spiritual warfare is real. We're engaged in the battle of spiritual warfare day by day. God is at work in us. Satan is at work on us. Satan is wanting to turn us away from God at every point and chance. He has the opportunity to turn us away from God, which is all the time. He's relentless in his work against us. We know God tests us to grow us in our faith. Satan tempts us to slow us in our faith. God tests us to help us. Satan tempts us to harm us. So we understand and realize that temptation is common and it's coming because we realize and understand the concept of spiritual warfare and we know and understand Satan is going to do everything he can to resist and oppose us as we seek to continue walking by faith and trust in Christ Jesus by his power at work in our lives. Matthew gave us indication of this reality as Matthew referred to Satan as the tempter in Matthew chapter 3. If you remember Matthew chapter 3, Matthew was recording the amazing drama that unfolded there in the wilderness after Jesus had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, spending that time in meditation with the Father. And we see that Matthew wrote, then the tempter came to Jesus. The tempter being Satan, to tempt him three different times there in the wilderness. So we know temptation is common. And now what Paul wants us to understand is temptation is coming. Paul is telling us, be alert, be spiritually ready, keep your eyes up, keep your focus on the word, because temptation is coming our way. The third point is God will give us an escape route out of temptation. Paul said, but with the temptation, he will provide a way of escape. And here's where we get to the truth of God's word. God will never allow us to be tempted beyond what we are able to bear, escape, or resist. God will not allow us to be tempted beyond what we are able to bear, to escape, or to resist. Put it in this way. We will never face a temptation from Satan that our only recourse, our only option, our only action will be to give in to the temptation and to sin against God. We will never face a temptation from our enemy, the tempter, the ruler of this world, the one who masquerades like an angel of light trying to deceive us. We will never face a temptation from our enemy, Satan, 
in which our only option will be just to simply give in to the temptation and to sin against God. Why? Because God promised us he will give us an escape route out of every, say every, every temptation we face. He will give us an escape route out. Now, we have the responsibility to take that escape route out of temptation when it comes our way. We have the responsibility to take that escape route out, to walk in obedience to the word, to walk by faith and not by sight, to walk in the spirit, not the flesh, to rely on the Holy Spirit's power at work in our lives, and to take the escape route out of the temptation, which happens as we turn to God, as we talk with God, as we trust in God before the temptation, during the temptation, and after the temptation, so that we don't get dragged back into the temptation. Remember, God has placed his Holy Spirit in us. God has placed his Holy Word before us. God has placed his holy people around us to help us escape temptations. Some of God's escape routes out of temptation include scripture memory. It's good enough for Jesus. It's certainly good enough for us. Amen? Scripture memory. It's a great escape route out of temptation. Persistent prayer. It's a great escape route out of temptation, praying before the temptation hits. If we only wait until the temptation is hit and come into our lives to pray, our chances of success dramatically decrease. We need to be praying each day before the temptation, at the temptation, through the temptation, after the temptation to help us take that escape route out. Another escape route out is the accountability of our brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus. Having that accountability, that transparency, that honesty, that trust in our relationship with our brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus who can speak into us the truth from God's word that will help us take those escape routes out. A fourth escape route out of temptation that God provides us is simply run! If you're taking notes, right, run as fast as I can. It's one of God's escape routes. Run. Get out. Run, run, run. As we see that testimony, that example to us in God's word with Joseph, our Old Testament friend. So here's the truth. We've identified the statement. Here's the truth. God gives us more than we can handle. God gives us more than we can handle. Today, every day, all through the day, because God wants us to depend on him. God wants us to turn to him. God wants us to talk with him. God wants us to trust in him. Every moment of our day, every step of our way, our strength and wisdom is not enough. God's strength and wisdom is more than enough. And so we must understand God's assignments for us will always be too much for us. God's assignments for us will always be too much for us. God's assignments for us will always call us to step out of our comfort zones onto the waters of faith because we know without faith in God, it is impossible to please God. And so every assignment that God gives to you and to me, understand and recognize that it will be an assignment from God that will be too much for us in our strength and wisdom. It'll be an assignment that will cause us and call us out of our comfort zones onto the waters of faith because that's where we're able to please God. That's where we honor God. That's where we trust God. And God's assignments for us are possible in, with, and through him. 
in, with, and through him. This is the way God has worked throughout his word, the Old Testament and New Testament. It's the way that God works continuing today in you and in me. Let's look at one example of this. Turn to your left in your word and go all the way to the Old Testament book of Joshua. Joshua chapter 1. Real quickly, turn to Joshua chapter 1. I want us to read this passage. Joshua, uh, just real quickly, a quick summary, uh, was the assistant to Moses. Moses was the greatest leader that Israel had ever known up to that point and after that point. Uh, No one was as great as Moses. God used Moses in an amazing way as his leader of his nation of Israel. Joshua was the second in command to Moses. Moses died, and now Joshua was up. Joshua was now being tabbed to be the leader of Israel, and his task was uh, to lead the people of Israel, the nation of Israel, which scholars estimate could have been upwards of a million folks at that point in time, into the promised land to take possession of the land that God had promised to their forefathers. So as we look at the task that Joshua had, number one, he had to follow the greatest leader ever, which is not all that enviable of a task. Talk about comparisons. He had to follow Moses as a leader. And then, oh, by the way, he had to lead the nation of Israel into the promised land, which Moses led them up to it. He was to be the one to lead them into it. And so we see God's assignment for Joshua was far too much for Joshua. And let's read what the Lord said to Joshua. After the death of Moses, the Lord's servant, Joshua 1, beginning in verse 1, the Lord spoke to Joshua, son of Nun, who had served Moses. Moses, my servant, is dead. Now you and all the people prepare to cross over the Jordan to the land I am giving the Israelites. I have given, look at that, I have given, past tense, I have given you every place where the sole of your foot treads, just as I promised Moses. Your territory will be from the wilderness and Lebanon to the great Euphrates River, all the land of the Hittites, and west to the Mediterranean Sea. No one will be able to stand against you as long as you live. I will be with you. Say that with me. I will be with you. Just as I was with Moses, I will not leave you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous, for you will distribute the land I swore to their fathers to give them as an inheritance. Above all, be strong and very courageous to carefully observe the whole instruction my servant Moses commanded you. Don't turn to it from the right or to the left so that you will have success wherever you go. This book of instruction must not depart from your mouth. You are to recite it day and night so that you may carefully observe everything written in it. For then you will prosper and succeed in whatever you do. Haven't I commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Say that with me at the end there. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Wow. Wow. I don't know about Joshua, but that had to make him feel a little bit better. I mean, he was following Moses, yes. He was leading the nation of Israel into the promised land, yes. But to hear that from the Lord God Almighty, woo, man. That definitely would have evened out the scales there. You're talking about going from fear to faith. We see in these nine verses that the Lord made 10 declarative statements, 10 declarative I will statements. I will be with you. I have given this land to you. I swore to give this land to your forefathers. I will be with you. Be strong and very courageous. Have I not commanded you? I will. We'll be with you. The Lord your God is with you wherever you go. What do we see here at the beginning of this 
amazing call on Joshua's life, we see that God knew that his assignment for Joshua was too much for Joshua, but it wasn't too much for God. It was not too much for God. And he continually shared with Joshua his promises to be with him, his promises that he would have success so that Joshua would move forward in faith, not fear, trusting in God, depending on God as he guided and directed him to lead the Israelites into the promised land. God's assignments for us are always too much for us, but they're not too much for God. Jesus told us, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. That's impossible for us. Hello. That's impossible for us to do in and of our own strength and our own wisdom and our own ability. That's absolutely impossible. We have no hope of fulfilling that commission, that great commission, which God understood and we know and we see as we continue reading in that passage and Jesus continued and said, and remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. Oh, okay. I like that. That changes some things. We know that Jesus said, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses. So we have the great commission, but we also have an understanding that though that commission, though our assignment is too much for us, it's not too much for God, and God promises that he'll be with us every step we take to the end of the age. He promises us that we will receive the power of the Holy Spirit who dwells in us at the moment of salvation, and he empowers us to be his witnesses in all the places that God sends us to. And so we understand and know that this truth is clear in our own lives. God gives us more than we can handle. Jesus told us, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Again, his power at work in us to fulfill his assignment for us. God knows we can't fulfill his assignments in our power. When we try, we just simply get frustrated and fatigued because we can't do it. God never asks us to fulfill his assignments in our power. God asks us, God calls us to fulfill his assignments in his power, alive in us. The presence and power of the Holy Spirit of God who lives within us, he is the one who fills us with the power to be the witnesses that God has called us to be, to do the work that God has called us to do. God's assignments are too much for us, but they're not too much for God. High school graduates, the future is too much for you, but not for God. Husbands, marriage is too much for us, but not for God. Wives, marriage is too much for you, but not for God. Parents, raising children, it's too much for us. It's not for God. My brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus, being a witness at work is too much for us, but it's not too much for God. Discipling others is too much for us. It's not too much for God. 
Forgiving others is too much for us, but it's not too much for God. Living like Jesus is too much for us, but it's not too much for God. Loving others like Jesus is too much for us, but it's not too much for God. Ministering to others like Jesus is too much for us, but it's not too much for God. Overcoming temptation is too much for us, but it's not too much for God. Telling others the good news about Jesus Christ is too much for us, but it's not too much for God. Walking in victory as we wait for God to answer our prayers day by day, week by week, month by month, year by year, depending on God's timing and plan for our lives is too much for us, but it's not too too much for God. Walking in victory in the midst of our trials and difficulties and challenges and tests of faith is too much for us, but it's not too much for God. God's assignments for us are too much for us, but they're not too much for God. He gives us more than we can handle every day, throughout the day, so that we will depend on on him a relationship with God begins with dependence upon God a relationship with God begins with dependence upon God we have no ability strength or wisdom to save ourselves the Bible is clear for all of sin and fallen short of the glory of God we are all sinners we've all said thought and done things that are unpleasing to God that violate the truth of God's word We have all turned away from God. There is none of us righteous, no, not one. And we understand that we have missed God's mark of perfection, of holiness, of righteousness because of our sin. And we know the sin in our lives separates us from from God, and there is nothing that we can do in and of ourselves to get rid of our sin and get to God on our own. We are in a desperate state. We need help. We need someone who can take away our sin. We need someone who can bring us to God. We desperately need a Savior. The Bible tells us, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. The Bible tells us the great news that Jesus is our hope. Jesus is our help. Jesus is our Savior. He did for us what we could not do for ourselves. Jesus satisfied God's demand for a perfect, holy, righteous sacrifice to be made so that we who are imperfect, unholy, and unrighteous could be made right with a perfect and holy and righteous God. Jesus lived a perfect life. He was tempted as we are, yet he never sinned. He died a perfect death on the cross of Calvary, taking our place, paying our price for sins. He rose again victorious over sin and death on the third day. He is alive today and desires a relationship with each one of us. And we enter a relationship with God. We receive the forgiveness of sins that we all so desperately need by repenting of our sins and by placing our faith in Christ Jesus, receiving God's gift of love, life, and salvation that is found in Christ Jesus. As Paul said, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in and through him we might become the righteousness of God. Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, the name of Jesus, God gave them the right to become children of God. That if we confess with our mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in our hearts, God raised him from the dead. We're saved. So the heart we believe in are justified. It's with our mouth that we confess and are saved. Paul said in Romans 10, everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ will be saved. If you're here this morning, you've never trusted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, then why not today 
Why not here? Why not now? Life is too much for us. But it's not too much for God. And we experience that peace and that power and that forgiveness through a relationship with God by His grace through our faith in Christ Jesus. Let me ask you to bow in prayer.